This is an Alchemize Your Life podcast. On this episode, we're actually going to answer the question, what is a distributed autonomous organization or DAOs? We're also going to dive into smart contracts and share with you exactly why this technology is a complete and total game changer and is going to have massive ripples throughout, well, basically everything forever. It's a big deal. You'll want to listen up. Hi, I'm Cian Kenshin. And I'm Stephanie J. And we're here to alchemize, alchemize your life. In this podcast, we show you how to apply the principles of spirituality, prosperity, and sexuality to create true and lasting transformations in your life and business. Join us at the Prism Institute of Quantum Alchemy as we explore the ancient, esoteric teachings of Buddhism, Tantra, Hermetics, and more. As we weave these primal energies together within ourselves, we repair the fractured consciousness of humanity itself. Join us in liberating the world and realizing that the gold is in you. Usually we start with something funny. Oh, does that mean we need to start over? Like, hey, babe, guess what? I hate it when no, you start like every episode like that. It's I know. so well, that's, boring. That's why I didn't start it like that this time. I don't think this is much better. <laughs> Just referring to the fact that we start the episode like that. And we didn't know what to say. Okay, so hang on. This, I feel like, requires a low-key apology. So what we're going to do today is we're actually going to answer the question that I asked before the last episode. What is a DAO? What is a DAO? I asked us, what is a DAO? And I didn't understand at the time that the implication was going to be that we would go down a very deep rabbit hole about what crypto is, which was super valuable. Mm -hmm. Because you must understand the foundational levels of crypto to understand what comes after crypto, right? It's like you're building a pyramid. You don't have a solid foundation. You're fucked. Why is it even called crypto to begin with, right? Like... Yeah. Well, I know why it's called crypto cart cartography, but why is it crypto cartography? Cryptocurrency? Well, no, but like, what's crypto about it? It's the cryptography. The cryptography. Yeah. I see. Not crypto cartography. <laughs> oh, that's where I was mixing that. I'm like, we're, we're making encrypted maps? What? Well, that's kind of what I was thinking too. I was like, I feel like something got lost in translation. Okay. Yeah. Well, so, so what were the main points we learned yesterday? Or last week. Yesterday. Last like, week. Actually, like multiple three, weeks ago. Three, it's been three weeks for um, us. So this is a real test on my memory because we recorded that last episode. As you guys, you will have listened to it, know that we recorded it over dinner, over wine. It was a fly on the wall episode. It was a fly on the wall episode. And yet very lucid. And yet very lucid, but also four weeks ago. <laughs> so what did we learn? Uh, so... The first thing that we learned was kind of where where did crypto and cryptocurrency come from, right? Not from making encoded maps. No. Oh. From making encoded emails in the 1990s. Those could be maps. Okay. So and then <laughs> we and then we learned about how the blockchain is basically a chain of messages or blocks where the transactions are encoded in each block mm -hmm. and that people get rewarded by guessing the answer to the encryption problem. Mm -hmm. And 
that's how new Bitcoins are made. Mm -hmm. And that anyone can transact with anyone else in the world just by sending this encrypted message on the public blockchain. And that it doesn't have to necessarily be money. Doesn't necessarily have to be money. And that's kind of where we're going with today, right? Mm -hmm. So as we've seen, just a quick little aside, NFTs is another thing that's out there. Yes. Right? Yeah, non I'm sure everybody and their dog has heard about NFTs. Aurora has an NFT. Yeah, non-fungible non tokens. Don't worry about what that means. It's irrelevant to this discussion. Okay, I was just about to ask. No. That's <laughs> We're going to end up not answering I, the DAO I'm, I'm conversation. I'm killing that rabbit hole before it even starts. Guys, let us know. If you want us to do an episode on what are NFTs, let us know. We'll go deep on it if you want. Yeah. yeah. At yeah. Queen Sophie Ma, at Zen Mind Hacker on Instagram, and let us know. But yeah, trust me, we'll go deep. So mm -hmm. this is not the episode for that. No. But they are another example of not a crypto transaction being put on the blockchain. Mm -hmm. So um, one of the beauties of Ethereum is that they created something called smart contracts. Mm-hmm. Okay, and now this is where this is where Ethereum diverges from Bitcoin. And these are the two different types of cryptocurrencies, right? Mm -hmm. The two big boys. Yeah. Right? Bitcoin being the first one. Bitcoin was the version one, like the beta test of cryptocurrency. Mm -hmm. And all it does is transact. Transact funds. And it, and it's not very energy efficient in its transacting. Yeah. The you first know. one usually isn't. Yeah, exactly. It, it'll get better. Yeah. They're they're putting up the lightning network and this other stuff, other layer two stuff to make it more efficient to transact. So it's not like $35 a transaction. Mm. Anyways, I digress again. Too much knowledge. Too much. <laughs> so many questions. Yeah. I have so much to learn from you. Um, Does that make me the grasshopper or are you the grasshopper in the analogy? There is no grasshopper. Oh, well, that's less. The fun. grasshopper is a lie. <laughs> well, that was a former episode, and that was cake. Okay, bringing it back. <laughs> Before I lose the thread here, um, so NFTs and DAOs are examples of technology built on top of Ethereum's smart contract language. Yeah, and smart contracts is the main like competitive advantage differentiator, whatever you want to call it, that Ethereum has over Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. The guys who put Ethereum together basically modeled it after Bitcoin mm -hmm. and basically said, oh, okay, well, we'll use this blockchain-based technology with this crypto technology. And, oh, but we could actually, instead of just putting transactions in there, we could put in like some this idea of a smart contract, which is a little piece of code that allows people to create um, distributed applications. And what that means is you put your code in one of the messages on the blockchain and there's a, there's a feature or function in the Ethereum blockchain specifically where all of the computers who are taking part in mining contribute some of their processing power in exchange in, into not just the, the math problem, but into also executing these smart contracts. Hmm. 
And so whatever code you put as a developer put into the smart contract, that code gets run on some computer somewhere in the world and you don't really care where it gets run. It just gets run on the blockchain. And so it can do all sorts of things. Um, pretty much anything you can imagine. The type of smart contract that we're looking at today is called a DAO. Okay, which is a decentralized de de autonomous decentralized autonomous organization. Yeah, I was trying to answer it. <laughs> also distributed autonomous organization was the one I was going to use. But yeah. It's both. Okay. It can be both. Okay. Um NFTs is just Another example, just going back to why I brought that in, is another yeah. example of a use of smart contracts. Yes, understood. Saying there can only ever be one of these things and whoever owns it, owns it, basically, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, all those CryptoPunk NFTs, right? They're part of a smart contract called CryptoPunks. Anyways, DAOs. Okay, so somebody, and I don't know the history here, I don't know who this somebody is, came up with the idea, well, okay, if we can make these smart contracts and these smart contracts can transact on the blockchain, why couldn't we have one of these smart contracts own blockchain assets? And why couldn't we also have these smart contracts owned by other wallets on mm. the blockchain? And couldn't we program into this DAO smart contract, couldn't we program into it a set of rules to govern how the smart contract is allowed to transact and how it is actually governed? Mm -hmm. So just to be clear here, is this like, this isn't saying, hey, this is a set of rules for like a board of directors set of humans. This is like, here's how this piece of technology is going to operate. So it's like operating code. Yeah, you can imagine the DAO like a corporation. Yeah. That has um, a set of, of governance policies, bylaws, right? Mm -hmm. The bylaws of this like blockchain-based corporation are encoded in the blockchain, in the smart contract. Right, but I think the piece is, that's unclear here is like who's executing those rules? The blockchain. Okay, so like, what does that mean? So that means, okay, so, so you build your DAO, your virtual corporation, and you say it's allowed to have three shareholders and you need a majority of shareholders to vote in order for it to transact. Mm -hmm. That contract becomes a dApp or distributed app mm -hmm. and it is executed on the blockchain. So somewhere in the world, some computers agree on the execution of the contract. Okay. Now, let's just take this very simple example, right? So let's say the prism mm -hmm. was a DAO. Mm -hmm. It would currently have two shareholders. So you would have a wallet Mm -hmm. And I would have a wallet and those wallets would own the DAO. Okay. And then the contract would say you need 100% of votes in order to transact. 
So then I could propose to this DAO, I could say, hey, we should buy more Ethereum as part of the DAO. Mm -hmm. And then the, the contract would say, oh, hey, Stephanie, hey, Cian, you guys got to vote on this, on this thing. Mm -hmm. And the way you vote is you use your wallet to sign your vote and it becomes permanent record. So it becomes one of those messages, right? Right. But the message is attached to the smart contract. Your vote is is like enshrined into the DAO and everyone can see it. So they know how, so there's no hiding your vote. Mm, right? So there's a lot of transparency here. Yeah, transparency is one of the key um, features of DAOs. Also lack of hierarchy, mm. right? Um, it's literally a democratic system. So, I mean, maybe I'm getting a little off topic here, but the, the curious question, which we won't go into on this podcast episode, because today we're learning about how DAOs actually work. But my curious question to the, um, to the community, to our list community of listeners is, how do you feel about bringing true democracy into Bitcoin, into running an organization? Like we've had many, many years of democracy now. Do we believe that true democracy even exists? Can this make it exist? I want to know your thoughts. So I'm, we're not going to dive into that today, mm -hmm. but pose that question to yourself. What do you think about democracy, a true democratic situation being how you would run an organization with blockchain and then... Is it even possible? Let us know again, Instagram at Queen Sophie Ma and at Zen Mind Hacker, or, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it in the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, like th this technology is not going to solve a lot of the human problems, but it's going to solve a couple. Yeah. Like, it could definitely solve some of the corruption stuff. If we started using this kind of tech for voting, mm -hmm. um, again, you it's, it's always a problem actually identifying who's allowed to vote and all of that. Um, so for like country scale stuff, there may be some challenges implementing this, but at an organizational perspective, you know, it's, uh, it's actually, you know, where you have a handful of shareholders or owners, um, it's actually seems very effective. Um, some of the examples that I've seen are like cooperatives, right? Where the DAO owns, um, say, an entire plot of land with mm -hmm. all the stuff on it. Mm -hmm. And then to buy in or get, or get bought out, you have to abide by the rules in the smart contract, mm. right? And, and that actually... The thing I love about that is it removes a lot of the problems due to unspoken rules that exist in human organizations, mm -hmm. right? Like, oh, you can come and become part of our cooperative and you put like 50K in or whatever. But then two years later, you're like, I don't like these people anymore. You're like, I want to get bought out. And they're like, no. Yeah. You know. Or you can only get bought out for 30K or something, not yeah. the amount you put in. Yeah. I mean... If that were the case, they would have had to think about that ahead of the time and enshrine that those rules into the smart contract so that so there's any, no surprises. So there's no surprises. Anyone who like this is kind of like taking lawyering to the to the programmatic level, right? Mm -hmm. So that anyone who gets involved in the organization is like, oh, okay, well, 
now I don't actually have to sue you. I just abide by the smart contract, right? Mm -hmm. And you also have to abide by it because, you know, you set it up and now you have to like basically abide by what you say. Mm -hmm. um, and it's easy to, for me to get my liquidity back. Mm -hmm. um, one other example I just read about, which is just kind of blowing my mind a little bit, is this idea of a self-driving car. Okay. So imagine you had a DAO that owned a self-driving car or say a fleet of self-driving cars. Okay. So I have an organization that owns a bunch of cars. Yes. Okay. A, a distributed autonomous organization that owns a bunch of cars. Yeah. Right. And um, we can talk about how they actually purchase those later i mean obviously there's some humaning involved in that yeah um but let's say it owns the car so programmatically it's connected to the car and it controls it mm -hmm. and the car and it communicate the car is plugged into some sort of system like uber where it receives instructions on where to pick people up where to drop them off mm -hmm. right but then for the rest of it the car actually receives payments from the users directly or from the service that's booking the users directly, right? So the car has its own Ethereum wallet, user payments are processed, and then the, the profit from that is dropped into the Ethereum wallet of the car. Mm -hmm. Now the car goes about its day, but now, hey, it needs to go and charge up or it needs to go get maintenance. The car literally goes to the charging station or to the maintenance um, shop on its own. Mm -hmm and pays for those services from its own wallet. Hmm. And after all of that is paid for, the profits are sent back to the DAO. So the DAO has its own wallet. It owns the car. And so the instructions the DAO would give would be like, hey, send us the profits. Profits come up to the DAO and then maybe the smart contract is said, okay, the all profits will be distributed amongst all shareholders equally. Mm -hmm. And so now you have this virtual organization that automatically is making money and distributing profits totally transparently. You can't hide any of this. It's on the public blockchain. So you can literally, if you're an investor in the future, like right now, if you're investing in Uber, you have to trust their financial statements. Yeah. Right. But here, you literally look at the smart contract and you see, okay, the smart contract owns five cars. And, oh, shit, sorry. And it pays out this much per month. Mm -hmm. Here's all the expenses. Here, like, like, literally, you can see everything at the transaction level mm -hmm. as you're assessing this as an investment if you want to make. Sounds like a much safer way to make an investment than the way we're doing it right now. Yeah, well, it, it kind of like- Or at least a better informed. Better informed, yeah. Um, the SEC would argue it's less safe. Well, the SEC argues for anything that's not in its favor or the people that are in its pocket. Yeah. So, and if you want more information on the SEC, what was that, what was that movie we watched? Uh, that documentary? It was the one on uh, 2008. Yeah. Uh, major crash where the SEC just kind of like 
allowed all of the rules that had been protecting investors for like 50 years to one by one get removed. Yeah. And then, you know, oh, look. And then the economy crashed and they did not, they did not give a flying fuck. Mm. And now crypto is here, which they can't control. And all of a sudden they're jumping down all the crypto throats. So yeah, to be fair, there is a lot of, there are a lot of crypto scams out there, just like there are a lot of other financial scams. And yeah, they say you need regulation to prevent this sort of thing. And I say a regulation hasn't really helped it. In fact, it's only hindering um, the, the legacy financial system. There's still lots of scams. Yep. No and, shortage. And there's a lot of hindrances and there's a lot of middlemen and there's a lot of overhead as a result of this. Mm-hmm. I'd say just accept that there are scams and allow people to learn how to protect themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, educate education. Ed- yeah. Like don't, don't take this like pa- uh, paternalistic approach. I to must protect you from yourself. People, right. Like, Except that there are going to be people that get hurt. Maybe create a, a community-based insurance policy to to help, you know, recoup like pay people for like getting scammed. Mm-hmm. Um, but then also require like education and self protection and this sort of thing. Like put the put the responsibility back on the people. Yeah, yeah. Um, the overhead in in having these sort of like regulatory bodies is is crazy. Um, not that the bodies themselves are bad. Like I, I, I believe that there needs to be regulation, but the amount of regulation that's been put in place and the amount of corruption that's jumped into it as a result of like lobbyists and this. Yeah, like is, the whole point of the regulation is to avoid corruption. And all I've seen is regulators get involved and now there's more corruption because now money can buy and swing votes. Well, yeah, just like the SEC and XRP, but that's another whole rabbit hole, right? Mm. But if you want to look it up, look up SEC XRP and you'll see a really wild story, guys. Mm. Anyway, so um, you have like total transparency in this, this, this DAO. And so can you vote on literally anything or how does that work? It depends on how you program the smart contract. Oh, so you have to do it at the beginning. You have to be like, this contract says you have to vote for these things. You can vote on changes to the smart contract, though. I see. In accordance with the existing rules of the contract. So it's not a static contract. You know, the the contract can evolve over time. And that's that's a key feature of this. Mm -hmm. It's a key feature of any organization is you set your initial policies Mm -hmm. and you set your governance model of like, how do you make changes? Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. How do you change the bylaws? How do you you change the bylaws? Right. And then you literally have to vote on any bylaw change. Oh, I want I want to be able to. This DAO should now be able to own another whole like token. Like we've, we've seen some other DAOs that have like kind of this two tier system. Yes. Where there's like the governance token and then the utility token. Yeah. And the governance token, which is the DAO owns all of the utility tokens and the rights to control and sell and, and all of this of the utility token. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, guys, you got to watch out for these because these can often be scams. So how could that be a scam? What about it is scammy? It depends on how it's set up. Now, this is quite a common 
thing, right? And definitely not always a scam. Yeah. But you could literally set up the governance token to have all of the control mm -hmm. and take all of the benefit of whatever the utility token does, but then convince people, hey, this utility token, if you invest in it, it's going to be the next best thing, blah, 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 do a bunch of marketing. Everyone gets excited and then they invest in the utility token. But not the governance token. But not the governance token. Now, we've seen this before in the legacy financial system, and it's called a two-tiered stock holding system. Hmm. Shell Canada was an example of that. Hmm. You have class A shares and class B shares. Class A shares, which were held by the family, mm -hmm. were the only ones that had voting rights. Mm. And thus, they controlled the destiny of the company. In some cases, that's actually a good thing. Yeah, that's not necessarily a bad thing if you trust the people that are holding it and if you know that's what you're getting into up front. Yeah, and if, if you don't actually want to be involved in governance. Yeah, right. not everybody does. No, mo in fact, most people do not. Mm-hmm. So, um, Shell Canada is an example of this kind of system. A two-tiered system. Two-tiered system where you have the governance token, the DAO, mm -hmm. and the like class B shares sort of idea of, I just want to own a piece of the company, but I don't want to be involved in the governance. I don't want voting rights, blah, blah, blah. Just... Just show me the money. Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with this sort of thing is that um, you have no control. You have no no voice. Uh, and you have to tr that means you have to trust the people who own the governance tokens. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, at, at any anything you invest in, it's about trust, right? It's about like, do you trust what's happening? Um, the people that are doing it. Yeah, transparency increases a lot as far as trust goes. Like it's you with a DAO, you can kind of see how they're structured, how they're allowed to vote, how they're allowed to take profits out. You know what what do they do with your money? That can all be enshrined in the smart contract, mm -hmm. um, and that can all be validated by a third party if you want it to be, right? So. Um, where was I going with this? We were talking about governance, two-tiered systems. Two-tiered systems. Oh, yeah. And that could this, potentially could be a scam. How it could be a scam, right? So um, if you're ever involved in something like this where they're like, you, your money's locked up for three years or five years, Take, like make sure you do your due diligence, right? So what? let's talk about why would somebody lock up money in a DAO? What would the purpose of that be? Well, I mean, it, it's a good idea because... For who? It, it's a good idea for the owners of the DAO, right? Because then they don't have to pay out anybody, like buy, buy their, their quoted shares back. Yeah. And they also, it kind of allows them to create a closed market where your money's locked up because they haven't connected 
your token, your utility token, to the open market. I see. Where you could be facilitated in an exchange of value with somebody else in the market. Mm-hmm. And the reason that you would want to do that is because in the early days, the value of your company is all perception. Yes, of course. Right. And this, is, this isn't just in the crypto world. This, no, this is, is in everywhere. startups. Yeah. This is in any time yeah. you're talking about valuations with a board of directors for any type of like very tangible company or a a crypto company. Yeah. Yeah. The, the value of the company is, is really up for speculation, right? And so if you have an open market on the company shares at that startup phase, it can either skyrocket, which is not necessarily a good thing, Mm -hmm. or it can tank, which is also not a good thing. And then you've got like, because one shareholder out of the whole bunch decided, I want to get, like, I put 50K in, but I don't fucking care. I don't trust these guys anymore. I just want out mm-hmm. and sells that 50K for 5K. Mm. Now, all of the others, like people who bought that utility token or those class B shares, sees the price of their investment drop by 90%. Right. Right. So... It's standard practice to say for the first three years for this sort of thing, you you don't have liquidity. You cannot exchange your shares. That's called vesting. Vesting, yeah, uh, kind of. Um, they're not they're not exchangeable. They're not tradable, which actually technically means they have zero value. So you've just given a bunch of money to buy something that literally has zero value until the time the vesting the is three, released. Until the three years, yeah. So three years, one year, five years, whatever, whatever it, is. it is. Yeah, okay. it has their zero value. And um, But after those but three they years- But they don't show zero value. They show the value on par with whatever you put in. Right, because but technically there's no value because you can't do anything Because with it. they're not tradable, they're allowed to say like, this is the price, right? There's no, there's no market price. Therefore, the price is set at whatever you purchased it at. Okay. But then as soon as the market, they become marketable. So you connect these utility tokens to an exchange, a distributed exchange or a centralized exchange or whatever. In the legacy financial system world, this is called an IPO mm-hmm. where these private shares that were once owned by a bunch of private individuals who weren't allowed to market the shares. Now we're doing an IPO, an initial public offering, meaning we're connecting our shares to the public market Mm -hmm. and we're going to do a bunch of marketing. We're going to pump the idea of the company. We think it's a good time, blah, blah, blah. And now everyone who's not in the company, who's out in the market, they want to put their money in the company and the people who are all in the company get to sell what they own. Right. And the ideal way for that to happen is that it goes up because of all the interest that you've garnered. Right. Um, more often than not, uh, doing seed funding for a company is like really a crapshoot. 
right? Mm, mm -hmm. Anytime you invest in a company that hasn't had venture capital, hasn't gone IPO, all that sort of stuff, you're investing in a company at the seed funding level. You're, you're, you're starting a new company. You're like, okay, here, here's my money. Like the risk of investing in a company at the seed stage is like super, super high. Mm -hmm. And I mean, with high risk also comes high reward. Like we can't negate that, mm -hmm. but it's really important to notice that this is very, very high risk. Like yeah. yet you're giving your money to a company. Mm -hmm. And so you want to make sure that you're not just like, oh, this sounds like a flashy like sales presentation, but like, is this a company that I believe actually can move forward? Like it's not enough. Here's the thing. And this is coming from many, many years in startup, in mm -hmm. the startup world, right? Invariably, I can tell you a cool idea is not enough to make it. The team is huge. The team is huge. Timing is huge. The team's Transparency, connections. Yeah. The governance system. That's like in all place. of these things. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. Like if for uh, you can have, and I, you know, did went many, many, many startup competitions where you would have essentially the same idea presented by like half of the participants that were there, right? Roughly the same concept with like tiny little tweaks. And which companies actually A, won grant money and then mm -hmm. B, became real companies, therefore had very little to do with the actual idea because half the people there had the same fucking idea. So what's the difference then? The difference is the people. The difference is the way they communicate their vision. The difference is, do they actually know what they're yeah. doing? Do they have the structures around? So when you're, when you're investing at this level, you're not just like, hey, this is a shiny new bobble. Let me throw a couple Ethereum oh, at man. it. It's like, does this, is this idea good? Yes, great. On top of the idea, do I genuinely believe that the people around this idea can execute it appropriately? Mm -hmm. and, and do I believe that they're gonna do it in a way that aligns with my values? Because we're being given a gift right now where we don't just have to uh, invest in a company like Shell to make money that maybe doesn't align with our values or has questionable practices. I'm not saying Shell does or doesn't, just using random example here. Um, we can actually do that research, right? So we can say, does this, do they check the idea box? Do I think this is a cool idea? Do they check the, the people and structure box? Do I think they're actually capable? And then even better, do I think they're going to do it in a way that aligns with my values? Because I guarantee you there's going to be at least 15 other companies totally. out there doing the, the same, same thing with same the same idea. structure that is doing it in a way that feels good to you. Yeah. I mean, with like just an example of the web 3.0 technology that's coming out, right? Yeah. Which is another whole rabbit hole, which I won't go down. Mm -hmm. Let's just say it's going to put the power of social media back in the hands of the people. Mm -hmm. There's a fucking zillion DAOs and other startups because yeah. they're the same thing now, right? Like it, most DAOs are startups because that's a new thing. Yeah. And, mo you know, like there's a ton of startups out there trying to crack the code of the social web 3.0. Yeah, well, I mean, you can think of how many companies are out there just trying to figure out n a new social media, the next TikTok yeah. or the next yeah. Instagram or the next yeah, Snapchat. Yeah, you look at like, Gab and you look at all these other things like. Yeah. Anyways. We know the way the universe works is it pushes the ideas through anyone who's receptive to them. Yeah. Right. And that means like a good idea is good. Like a lot of people are going to be receptive. They're going to have the right skill sets. They're going to have the right connections. The universe doesn't care. 
It's going to push these ideas through the people who are ready and it's going to push it through as many of them as it can because it knows just like the way nature works. If you Evolution. Look at, if you look at how nature works, nature tries a bunch of different things and then whatever survives is what sticks around. I mean, that's why you see like animals that have multiple offspring, right? You don't see like with humans, you know, usually you have one offspring at a time. Yeah. Um, but when you look at like reptiles, birds, like dogs, right? They're having multiple offspring at one time. Why? Because they're like, probably only one of them is going to make it. I have a one in six chance of them actually surviving. So you better believe I'm going to have six at a time so that that one actually yeah. makes it. Yeah. So, so the, the, the salient point here is most of the DAOs you're going to be seeing right now as an investment opportunity, just translate that to startup in your mind. Yeah. My money's going away. I'm probably never going to see it again mm -hmm. because it, I mean, I've invested in a lot of startups and like, yeah, 90% of them, I've never seen that money back. Yeah. Right. That, that one, that 10% made, made returns that kind of like satisfied the other 90%, right? Yeah. And that's the thing is like, you know, people talk about like, is crypto actually gambling and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, well, okay. I, you know, everything's gambling uh, if you want to look at it that way, but it is a very high risk thing. You should not be betting your house on this DAOs. stuff. Like, yeah. Like seriously, specifically DAOs, like cryptocurrency is investing. Yes. So you can abide by investment portfolio tactics. And if you want to know what those are, I have crypto masterclass, mm -hmm. go to the prism.org. It should be available in our energy bundle. We'll also link it in the description notes. Yeah. Um, if you want to get into crypto, that is investing. Okay. DAOs is more like angel investing. Mm -hmm. Right. So in the legacy financial world, if you want to be an angel investor, you have to be a qualified investor. And you have to be willing to put down large amounts of it money. Mean, like an angel means, investor is not throwing five grand at something. No, God, no. You, no. No company would want an investor of only five grand. Yeah. Like you want people with 10, 50, 100, half a million dollars, mm -hmm. right? Because you want to keep your investor pool very small in those early phases because you don't want a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. Because again, these are... To go back to the original, these are governance equivalent tokens. So you have a say in the way the company goes. Do you want to have a say with five people or do you want to have a say with 500 people when you're building your product? Probably only five. Yeah. So if you encounter a DAO where you're actually investing in the utility token, so you're part of the 500, not the five, you got to be questioning that, mm -hmm. right? Because that is likely a startup but now they're selling class B shares that have no control and no say and no insight into what's happening in the company. So you're basically putting your money alongside angel investors at a point where there shouldn't be public involvement. 
Yeah, I based mean, on the legacy, like the rules of the legacy financial system. Right? Yeah, like there's a reason why we didn't see companies doing an IPO on day one. Right, but right? this is what I'm seeing. This, like, and guys, like you really got to be careful with this. Like, this is what I'm seeing, and I'm not talking about one specific example. I've no, seen it's this international a number, across a bunch of stuff. I've seen this a number of times. Is because there's no regulation. Now you have people who are like, okay, we'll get our angel investors into the governance token, but then we'll also do a marketing campaign. Basically, we're going to crowdfund our startup capital. Yeah. And if the thing goes bust, we can pay the angel investors out and everyone we crowdfund from loses their money. Mm. that's the problem with that structure mm. because they control the governance, they control the voting. They would all decide to pay themselves out. Yeah. Assuming selfish human selfishness, which most economic models do. Yeah. They would all decide to pay themselves out versus paying out the crowd. Right. Right. And so basically now you have like sophisticated investors taking advantage of novice slash non-investors people that are just like this seems like a cool idea let me throw an ethereum at it at the governance token yeah right so that is a problem and because people don't have the sophistication to understand the difference between governance token utility token mm-hmm and why you would want one and or the why other, and what, the, the, implications other, what are. the implications are. That's why we're doing this podcast, right? What mm -hmm. is a DAO? Well, this is what it is. It's not a bad thing. No, it's going to change the fucking world. And we'll um, obviously be have a lot of DAOs even just involved with the prism, right? Like, well, yeah, yeah, we're looking, the, we're looking at making a DAO out of the the prism, like a sub sort of sub thing, uh, for building. Um, kind of a commune slash school, university, da da da, in Costa Rica. Community living space. Community living space, co working space, yeah. blah, blah, blah. And, you know, there will be, I think predominantly it'll just be governance. There, there won't be anything like to do with utility tokens, or, but I could be wrong. We'll I'm see how it evolves. The, I'm not going to be the one who designs it. Somebody <laughs> smarter than me for that. Yeah. So. Um, so that, yeah, that's something to watch out for because you like, it's not a bad model. I actually kind of like it because I would like to encounter a DAO with an idea I believed in with people I implicitly trusted and with the right team vision and transparency mm -hmm. and then invest that's the unicorn right? and then either invest in the governance myself or as an angel or invest as a, a just a, a solo investor in the utility side of it mm -hmm. like that would be great i just haven't encountered that yet it's always been either a problem with the team a problem with transparency yeah. or a problem with the the dao structure itself where i can't really understand how things are split up or what happens if things go wrong or, or a problem with all three. Right. We've seen a few of those. Yeah. 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 So, um, DAOs are, are amazing. Uh, and I would make sure if I were in considering investing in one today that I considered all of those aspects as if it were a startup company. 
Mm-hmm. I think that's really like, you know, I've seen a lot of comparisons, mostly in the NFTs, but I'm sure these apply to DAOs as well, um, where, you know, people are saying, oh, this is just like the web, the dot-com bubble, right? Yeah, and it's it dang- absolutely could be. And it absolutely can be. And it can absolutely, like some people are going to make fuck tons of money mm-hmm. off of this bubble. Absolutely. And some people are going to lose their shirts. Absolutely. So it's just really, really important to realize you know, we've all lived through that, at least at some level, you've seen what's happening and just to be smart so that you don't have this cool new kid that's talking about crypto and you don't really understand what they're saying, but you know, like they've got a big following on social media, so they probably know what they're talking about. And you know, they've got queen in their title calling myself out. So like, maybe they're smart maybe I can trust them, you know? So like, Like that, this is how people get taken advantage of is because they get caught up in the, in the pizzazz Mm -hmm. of the potential to change Mm -hmm. a life. And the truth is some lives absolutely will get changed, but it's really important that you are looking at this as an investment and you're, you're using money that is money that you are okay. Never Never seeing seeing again. again. Yeah. This, this is really key when you're going into angel investing and investing in startups like you're going to lose nine times out of 10. I mean, that's why you have VCs because VCs have portfolios of startups and they know that most of it's going to go nowhere. Yeah. Right. And, but the, the one out of 10 black swans. Yeah. The Amazon, and, the and Google, the Facebook. A, like, like a hundred times what they put in, which pays for all the ones they lost. If you're not at that level, like unless you're deeply intimately involved with the startup, you should not be investing in a startup mm-hmm. because most more than likely you'll lose all of your money. Yeah. That, that's just, that's just a fact. Yeah. And right? this is coming from you having done multiple yeah. investments in startups, me being in the startup world for oh, many, God. many years. I've been pulled into so many goddamn startups, like where it's like, Oh, it's just an investment. But then like in six months, things start going sideways and they're like, we need help. And I I have to either decide to put more money in or jump in and take control of the company and then make it work. So is there a possibility of this, that happening with a DAO as well? Well, jumping in and taking control, they'd have to vote you in. Right. Which is usually what happens. I just berate them into voting me in. Well, for you, but we're talking but about right. regular situation here, not you. Vote me in, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, for the average person the average who doesn't person want to go in at Who that doesn't level. want to go in, like... Like, is there a possibility of, hey, you gave us one Ethereum that's yeah, locked yeah. up for three years. Oh, shit, we ran out of money. Now you have to give us more Ethereum or we, or go, we go under and you lose your first Ethereum. And, and uh, yeah, absolutely. And... Depending on the rules of the DAO, going under may even mean paying out our angel investors and fucking you. Mm. But it it all depends on how the code is written, Mm -hmm. right? So if you've read the code or had it audited, or you've just trusted what they've told you about the code. Right. right? Or even knew to ask that question. Or knew to ask the question. Mm-hmm. Right. Like the like they can they can write whatever in into the, the governance of the of the contract. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And I guess the, the piece there, too, like when we're talking a little bit about buyer beware here as far as DAOs and how amazing they are, but also how they can be taken advantage of. 
Like pay really close attention. And this is the same advice again, even with a startup, if you're looking to invest in a startup, pay very close attention to the way questions are answered. Oh yeah. Are they being answered directly? Open, honest, and vulnerable. Open, honest, and vulnerable. Or are they being kind of like deflected? Is it clear that maybe they don't have answers? Like we've seen examples of when- Do they shut down the uh, open question forum temporarily while they deal with the problem person? Yeah, (laughs) yeah, and we've seen this, you guys. We've seen like invite only friends and family communities that are built up to like sell this, like what sounds like a really cool idea in a DAO structure. And then this, everybody's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. This is great. One Ethereum, 12 Ethereum, 20 billion Ethereum. But then the second one person comes in and is starting to ask intelligent questions that are very important questions from an investor profile perspective, the entire chat gets shut down and that person gets booted out. And then they come back and like, everything's fine. Yeah. And so then again, you have to question like, if if this is a legit company, why can't you answer legit questions? Why do you need to shut down the chat and then go back into like, oh, sorry, we're just having a concert where everybody loves. Like, it's like they're trying to keep you guys attached to the emotional feeling of possibility, mm-hmm. which is amazing. But that's also how we get taken advantage of. Well, yeah. And guys, you've got it grounded in reality. You're, you're investing in a startup. Yeah. You're going to lose your money. Yeah. Unless you're an insider, unless you happen to hit the one out of 10, or actually it's probably like one out of a hundred, right? Like in, in this space. Yeah. Right. The, okay. So the real problem that I see in people's minds right now, and so this is, this is what I'm going to help you with is that people are co-correlating crypto investing with DAO investing. Mm, and those are very do different things. Do not do that. Crypto investing is investing in a market that has liquidity, it has oversight, it has regulation. Mm-hmm. There are protections in place. You can build a portfolio, you can manage your risk, right? DAO investing is angel investing, startup investing. Yeah. This is a whole different game. Unless you have the kind of money where you can build a portfolio of DAOs, which maybe you can, and in which case, go go right ahead. Mm-hmm. Take those risks, right? Yep. You're not in the place to be investing in DAOs. Yeah. Because just like any investment portfolio, you should be spreading your risk and not just putting all your eggs in one basket or one DAO in this case, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's a really good idea. Yeah, it's a good idea, but like the team, the transparency, the governance, all of these other things, yeah. like they have to be taken into consideration when you're investing at this level. When you're investing at the cryptocurrency level, by the time the c- cryptocurrency hits a market cap above like the, say the top 1000, which is most of the things you'd be looking at, they're past that stage. They're past- They're like st- little teenager companies. Yeah. They're not startups anymore. They're not startups anymore. Um, there's still a lot of value to be had in investing in those. Um, but that is the normal type of investing that retail investors are used to. Mm-hmm. Right. So you don't have to take those additional precautions because those sort of risks, transparency, governance. They've already been filtered out basically to a certain degree. They've already been vetted. 
Yeah. As evidenced by they are now this old, so right. to speak, right? So that's if you're looking at um, a DAO as like an investment. Um, that's if you're looking at a DAO as an actual investment. Mm -hmm. But what if you're looking at like, like I'm not expecting, I want it as a way to own something. Like we were talking about yeah. property before yeah. and buying into a property. So we're not necessarily buying into a company that we're expecting to turn into the next Facebook or the next Apple. We're just buying into, hey, this is a community organization and I don't really care if it becomes a multi-billion dollar company. I just like this organization and I want to be a part of it. That's different. This, this is where DAO meets the legal system, mm -hmm. right? So as of right now, I am not aware of a legal way of a part of the blockchain to own a part of the planet i.e. land or, you know, that may, that I may be, I, it, it may exist. I just don't know about it. Mm -hmm. um, I know people are selling NFTs of Mars and stuff like that. The way I would see it working is that some country or countries say, okay, we're going to create a legal mechanism for there to be NFTs as the titles of parcels of land or companies or whatever, like physical things. Mm -hmm. And then if you buy this NFT, you, it literally gives you the title of the land. Mm -hmm. um, then the DAO could own the NFT, which actually has title to the land enshrined in the legal system of the country. Just kind of how you have property ownership here, right? Where the corporation owns shares into a house in Costa Rica. Corp the corporation owns the title to the land yeah. and the house and people own shares in the corporation. Correct. Right. So that would be you, your wallet owns shares in the DAO, which owns an NFT of the parcel of land, which is connected to the title of the land in the legal system somehow. Right. That bridge between the legal system and the virtual blockchain ownership structure system does not exist as far as I know. That doesn't mean people haven't found workarounds where they've created corporations which own the legal title of the land and then issued ownership in the corporation via NFT or DAO. Mm -hmm and enshrined inside the corporate bylaws that that's actually a thing that happens. That's totally possible. Again, I haven't encountered it yet, mm. but it's more likely than the country's doing all the work. Yeah. So what you guys are seeing here is that there's a lot of potential here. We are mm -hmm. literally just like when the internet was first being created and people were like, oh my God, look at all the cool things. Like I can make my space, I can make torrenting, I can make a bajillion different things. We are at that precipice right now with Web 3.0. We get the luxury of watching and seeing how it's gonna evolve and there's no limit to what a DAO can restructure. Oh my God. There's literally no limit. Um, so this is a really cool opportunity to sit and watch with like curious eyes at the way the world unfolds. Cause it's not, the world is gonna look so different in five years just because of DAOs, it's gonna be crazy. I can't wait to meet the person who's going to architect the PRISM DAO. Yeah. It's certainly not me. It's not you. It's definitely not me. Is it you? Send us a message. T 
team at theprism.org. We want to meet you. All right. Light benders. That is it for today. I hope we didn't completely melt your brains with all of that DAO talk. If you have questions, as always, hit us up on Instagram at ZenMindHacker at QueenSophieMa. We would love to see your questions, thoughts, and theories on DAOs in the future. Love you guys. Bye. We are so grateful that you decided to hit play on today's episode. If anything in this episode has inspired you or helped you transform your life, make sure to let others know by sharing a review on Spotify or iTunes so we can keep our community growing. We absolutely adore giving away free gifts. Send us a screenshot of your review to team at theprism.org to receive a special meditation from us as a gift of gratitude. We absolutely cannot wait to connect with you in the next episode. Between now and then, don't forget to visit our website at theprism.org. And remember, the goal is always in you.